We're in the shed. It's still a nice sunny day. We still hear the sound of festive young commercial Avenue in the background as we proceed to our next episode on the same afternoon. Don't know what we're going to talk about here. Same as we didn't know what we were going to talk about 163. But here we go. Hang with us. I'm pretty sure we'll have a few giggles. Okay. I'm going to do a quick check of the uh, Robin cam. Okay. Oh, nice. Robin cam. That was action, RJ. It sounded like action. Or yeah, it was the last event. Oh, nice. Fed. Had to turn off notifications on the fledge cam. That's the one we have on the ground. Oh. Because every time there's a shadow yes, yes. from a tree, it goes, yeah. oh, something happening. Yeah. Come on. Cam. No, that's how my um, doorbell cam works. So anybody who walks, not everybody, but a lot of times uh, even a car going by might spark it. But Yeah. So but, I can't yeah. a dog. Oh, and when somebody dings the doorbell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had one of those skinny, and you can even talk to them, right? Poco, didn't you? Uh, I don't think so. I cannot remember, but I don't think so. Yes, you did, skinny. I remember you saying, "Oh, you could see when the whole house was rigged up, and you can see when that door opened." Oh, that was the house alarm that I had in Maple Ridge. I remember oh, okay, that. There now. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but it didn't. I don't think it showed me images. It sent me notifications that the doors were being opened oh, and closed. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. right. And that was I kind was, of preliminary before yeah, these Yeah, this yeah. was back shortly after the wheel, but before turbochargers. <laughs> yes. <So laughs> somewhere in there. Hey, speaking of which, I saw a, on the hockey game a commercial for the electric car company called Polar Light. Yeah, I know the one. Polestar. Polestar. Pol- Polestar. Gentlemen, what the hell is that? I've never heard of that company. Owned by Volvo. Oh, okay. That's what I was... They kind of compete with the high-end Tesla stuff. Like they're in Canadian dollars, probably like eighty or $90,000. Yes, yes. The, yeah. the advert is for... There's electric cars and then there's... Oh, yes. With all the details you ever wanted. Yeah. For $120,000. Have you guys ever heard of Rivian? Yes, oh, absolutely. Yes. We've seen them. They're so ugly. A truck? No, see, I like them. We we talked about this. Is that a truck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard of them and maybe saw an ad. So ugly? In my opinion, but mine is possibly, you might be the defi- deciding vote that leaves me in the minority, but I think they just- Yeah, I like hideous. the looks of them. Are they sort of army looking? Squarish, kind of square. Yeah, yeah. Um, with rounded corners. They got a horizontal with band of light right across the front gilt with two round headlights set into it. Well, we're going to, that's what we do here. Is Fairly look, expensive too. Look shit up. Are they? I didn't know that. Yeah, probably going to be around that same kind of price range. So I got Rivian. I didn't know Polestar was Volvo either. I'm going with you, I think, Skin. <laughs> a little bit um, marshmallowy. It just looks dumb to me. It looks like a big frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. I think they're going for not looking like other cars. They got, uh-huh. they nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you got to choose between this and a Cybertruck, taking that, I good point. That's a nice one, RJ. You definitely win that one. I would take that before one of those stupid Cybertrucks every time. They're they get pretty good reviews too. Like if you're willing to spend that kind of money, they're they're a pretty nice vehicle. F one fifty Lightning is a very good vehicle too, and I thought the sales were really good with that. 
speaking completely apropos of nothing. Is that the way you say that? Yeah. Uh, uh, was, was that a pleonism? I think so, because completely apropos, I'm not sure. But anyways, go the ahead. The anti-segue? Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm thinking about those one wheel, those two wheel devices with the tilty handles, the segue. You guys been right? watching, uh, without uh, any spoilers, you guys been watching uh, Ted Lasso season three at all? Sure have, watched it all. Okay, well, we haven't seen it all, so tremendously boring. Now, Interesting. Yeah, so we've only seen about maybe just over half the episodes. Totally enjoyed the Amsterdam episode. So I went and checked out who's doing the writing. Jason Sudeikis, that's the only episode he was involved in writing until the final two episodes. So we are going to push our way through and we expect that we'll enjoy, you know, we have to find out because this is the final season. It's not just the latest season. It's the final season. So man, oh man, move so, so slow the characters seem to have been downgraded. Isn't that interesting? Is there three seasons altogether? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That interesting because I agree. Like I have watched the entire third season, and I was I don't know, midway through it, and I started thinking, "Geez, this is really like it wasn't. It didn't hit me right in the eye, but I I found myself being disinterested. I found myself not being engaged, it and I found myself." These stupid characters, they're just going to repeat all this crap forever? What's going on here? Yeah, and the characters seem to lack a certain level of emotional maturity. And I feel like the women have been downgraded in many ways to just, you know, like the owner only wants to get back at her husband. And the, you know, I I know that they will develop and I know that by the end there will be some amazing stuff. The Keeley character seems to be just like... Everybody else has to fix her. Like she can't, she doesn't seem to have any depth. Anyway. I just found it repetitious. It was always. Yeah. And long. You know, yeah. I just thought. Okay. These are the same kind of, like the whole series is basically sort of relationship based, right? That's the whole gig. So, okay. But just like in real life, relationships have to progress. And I I just felt in season three, it all just sort of stalled. Complete turnaround for that Amsterdam episode, which I felt was one of their better episodes. It's interesting that you notice that Jason Zedekis is involved in this, that, or the other. I went checking. I wanted to see who's directing and who's writing and what the hell's going on. You know, the guy that plays Roy, he writes, right? But he only writes an episode or two every, every series, right? Interesting. Okay, I got a clickbaity one for you guys. Okay. Shocking news about toothbrushing. Okay. Jesus, that really does sound clickbaity. It, it you clickbaity. nailed it. <laughs> Jesus. You guys tell me if you've heard this, and listeners, maybe you've heard this too. It's new. <laughs> I think it's probably built up over the last decade. Yes. It's, it's uh, everything under the sun is new. Lay it on us. I, what is it? Toothbrushing? I'm, I'm, I'm engaged already. I'm at the edge of my seat. Dentists oh. now recommend <gasps> don't rinse the toothpaste away. What? Because we've dun, talked dun, about this before. Dun, there are various dun, methods for dun. rinsing. Yes, yes, we, I remember that. Dun. Let's cover that again. But in but yeah, all you do is you finish your brushing and spit out any excess. But don't get water in your mouth and rinse the toothpaste away. That is life-changing. It is. all that stuff about you can't swallow that toothpaste stuff because it'll churn your guts all up? <laughs> what about all that? 
what was it, about three months, four months ago, I was actually starting to feel a little toothachy, one tooth, right? So I go in and see the dentist, and they go, oh, there's, you know, nothing. We can't see any, anything here or there. You know, maybe maybe it's, you know, you need the Sensodyne. And the Sensodyne toothpaste, it's got this kind of, some kind of cement that kind of fills up any little holes. Does it? Down, yeah, and in that way, the hot coffee or cold water won't kind of make its way down quickly <laughs> to the roots. I didn't know that. That have all those feelings in them. Okay. Those yeah. feels, yeah. When I did that, I had a little pain and they yeah. s- instantly sent me to a periodontist yes yes well okay and then <laughs> well i mean it sounds like don't spit out the sensodyne for sure that mine or yours that's my front door oh, okay. check. let's find out what's going on so anyway i went to the dentist and then i found that all of a sudden a couple other teeth were doing the same thing <gasps> well i have you know switched about i don't know two three years ago to a power toothbrush and oh. so my only guess is that, that that if you push too hard with those things, they start to break the enamel down oh. and that will give you the same kind of result. So anyway, they switched me over to Sensodyne. I changed the toothbrush head to the softer uh-huh. and I've been more gentle with it. And all three teeth are fine now. Like it fixed itself within about two months of that kind of brushing. Uh-huh. But she said as a side effect, like also if you, if you don't rinse, that'll make it work better. And then also you'll have way fewer cavities because the fluoride's just basically, you know, for your last toothbrush of the day, which in my case is the only one, don't Amor. tell anyone. Amor. Oh, so um, gross, man. Come on. I, I'd put it on, don't, don't Save rinse it. out. And basically it's sitting there on your teeth all night, killing any bugs. And Is yeah. this specific to Sensodyne? Nope. No. All toothpaste. Anything. Yeah. That's, was, it's the wow. new thing. I said, I said, really? She says, yeah, most people won't do it because they're just used to rinsing and it feels kind of, you know, you don't get that nice fresh feeling of having cleaned and then rinsed your mouth out. And now it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. But so, but I find it's fine. Yeah. I just leave it on all night and yeah. Look at you. Look at me. Well, I'm, Listeners, worth considering. Talk to, your, tonight. talk to your dentist next time. Go, Google it up. You might find... Uh, I saw a post a few weeks or a month ago where some guy just said, you know, I've been a dentist for 37 years and nobody has ever once asked me about <laughs> what toothpaste I'd recommend. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Because <laughs> they always say it, eh? Nine out of 10 doctors. It's the same 10 guys. They're 118 years old now, but they just ask them, are you guys still, uh, still good with Colgate? (laughs) (laughs) Thousand year old guys. And, uh, in a similar vein, we got, and this one, listeners, you may recall, unless you just picked up lately and haven't gone back to our back catalog, our first episode had a shocking revelation that not every, not all men uh, use the same approach when standing to pee. Some was that go, our first episode? That was our first episode. Holy. Yeah, we started off strong. It was that, hard. Yes. It's been a long taper, but, but, but hard hitting. Off. That was life-changing for me. I thought that was well into our, okay, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and we all, you know, we thought, what? Doesn't everyone use the little hole in the underwear? <laughs> what was it, and over the like, gate? And yeah. Through the fence. The other? Through the fence, through yeah. Through the fence. Yeah. No, over the fence, through the gate. There you go. In a similar manner, there's a sea change happening right now. You heard this one? No. Men in Europe now, these things start in in Germany seems to be the epicenter, but it's spreading. Uh, Many more men are sitting down now. 
Ah, not, not standing. Ah, yeah, and they're they, the the name for the these men uh, in Germany is Sitzblinklers. <laughs> Sitzblinklers. And uh, tell us more, R.J. Well, tell two us reasons. more. Two reasons. And number one, I don't agree with personally myself, but number one is that. It's actually a healthier position to fully empty the bladder. Yeah, I'm with you. With I don't. I, I don't I, agree with that. No, no. The second reason you're going to stand up to poo from now on. Then yeah, I think so. Jeez. Yep. That's probably okay. The way that's you, over the line. That's skin. probably okay. the acrobatics going on in the tension. Rattle. <laughs> no, you just stand with your feet on each side of the bowl like this, like Yul Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out with the door open. <laughs> That's good skin. <laughs> Not going to close the door. So it is written. So shall it be done. Okay. Number two. The, the second oh, reason for this <laughs> is that, oh yes, there's less of the uh, bits of urine kind of oh. aerosolizing and going into the air. Right, yeah. because yeah, yes, okay. and spattering around, yes. ending up on the floor. Okay, but oh yes. Before you go on, though, I need to put out my theories as to why this is happening. Right? Okay, because there's probably real theories for why it's happening that you have there. Is that right? I'm trying. I'm just at one and a half. I've just almost finished that second item. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll tell you my theory. Okay. Two. <laughs> Two things. All right. First thing. I think I got both items out, didn't I? You did. Pretty well. First thing, more than ever before, more and more men are responsible for cleaning bathrooms. Aha. Good one. Uh, You're the person down on your hands and damn knees cleaning up around that toilet, man. You're very in favor of careful elimination. That's Elimination. I get it. Yes. Nice. Number two was. The growing preference worldwide, but certainly in Europe. Let's, let's wait till that stops because yeah, it's going to come uh, over your mic as well. Yeah, sorry. I think that was my wife, and she might be having an affair. Oh, <laughs> you heard it here first. Jeez, I was trying to hold that in, too. It didn't work. You had, I heard her say funny business, didn't she? Uh, oh, yeah. She was Are like, you here for the funny business? I that, said, how, yeah, I heard right. her say, how far away? Yeah, it, well, that was parking. How much time do you have? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number two. First thing. More men doing cleaning. Second thing has been a thing in Europe forever, but it's growing in popularity in North America. The use of bidets. So if you're going to have a bidet inside and it's going to spray warm water and play a happy little tinkle tune while you're doing it, mm-hmm. you're going to sit down for heaven's sakes. What, what, what on earth would be the point of paying all the money for a heated seat and a happy tune and a warm water Yeah, but rinse? you don't need the happy tune yeah, and warm water rinse when you're, you're there anyway. Why not, eh? Just do it, you know? <laughs> That's my theory. That's what I think. You could end up just sitting there all day. Yeah. Running or every couple hours you head in there. I'll tell you the way my hips been lately. That seems like a pretty viable alternative to me is just bring the uh, iPad in there. Great. That posture is perfect. Anyway, it's a new trend. You guys heard it here first. We'll put the link in the show notes to the article. Well, I'm. I'm fascinated. Well, I do think that it is the cleaning thing, or actually, all kidding yeah. aside. Yeah, I think that. the cleaning thing has a lot to do with it. Because, man, yeah. you know, like, I've been living on my own now for quite a while, and... You're uh, sick and tired of cleaning in there? Yeah. Or? I find that uh, I would rather ruminate 
on the passing of the cosmos than clean up after myself. Well, I found the Swiffer wet jet works so well that the floor is no longer an issue. Well, I find that my cynical self gets in the way with the wet jet because I feel that it puts down a layer on all your floors, which actually accretes dirt. Yeah, I don't think so. And kills small animals. Well, there's that too. Like I do hesitate because if the dogs take an interest in it, they, you don't want your dog licking up a lot of whatever it is that's in a Swiffer. Yeah, I agree. See, what's fun about this, KJ, is (laughs) if I had just said that, there wouldn't be silence from RJ right now. But because you said it and I agreed, he's now silently (laughs) contemplating, is this even a thing? If I had said it, it would have just been instant offense. Well, you know, if you, are you crazy? Come on, dogs don't lick that stuff. Well, if you both say something, then it carries weight. Yeah, there you go. If KJ only says something, it carries weight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And bring it on if home. Say, <laughs> do I have to? No, the users are all too familiar with your attitude. Users, listeners. Well, on that note, in our show which is was in Ottawa, we have new assistant stage manager who joined us in Calgary. She is Lacey Hill, rock star. She is an indigenous, proud lesbian, 30-something. Just did a tour of Australia, just guitar, writes all her own stuff. But she is that, that same kind of person, right? She, she posts all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she, one day, somebody in the cast was obviously off... I'll say their game, and it was this. Uh, some person had um, he'd saw he'd seen this person in the lobby and said, "I hope this person doesn't come and see our show," and it would really upset him. And she said, "You know what? Just take that energy and use it. Don't be don't be all down and angry or whatever. just use that energy in the show." And like she had this whole positive thing. Anyway, she's uh, terrific, but. I'm going to segue now to the golden teacher mushrooms sitting on my desk inside. Right. I saw that. Packet. Yes. So, and now I don't know how this happened. It had something to do with her in Ottawa and I'm not sure how it got into my head, but the documentary fantastic fungi on Netflix, which is really quite amazing. And I thought, now you guys know how I think about like even our, um, uh, death and dying sort of, mm. you know, how I, I look at the world in a certain way that uh, a whole bunch of people don't. And I always thought that mushrooms was like a recreational drug, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like you, you get That's pretty hu- much what I thought. In yeah, our, you in get our, high. In our youth, that's the way we viewed it. Yes, right? yes. But after watching this fantastic fun guy and do, doing a little bit and some, some other documentaries, Terrence McKenna is one of them. I realize that uh, the first thing that they tell you is that if you do mushrooms, you have to be in the right space in your head, but you also have to be in the right environment. And a lot of people say, do it in nature, like go out into nature mm. and actually do it in the forest or whatever, because you you just get a much better appreciation of it. And so I decided I am going to try that because I didn't do it properly and if you watch this documentary, it kind of says, I have, now, have you guys ever heard this, the theory that mushrooms was the missing link between uh, humans and uh, apes? <laughs> no. Is that the theory is, and I don't know if this is um, 
archaeologically founded, but that there was a certain animal, like a wildebeest, that pooped, and in the poop grew these certain kind of mushrooms, and they were magic mushrooms, like, and that... Psilocybin. Yes, of whatever sort, and that the apes at the time realized that this was some sort of food and ate them and, of course, had this... Experience. Yes, and if you think that naturally... The, these this high makes you see literally clearer and different and if you're an ape and that happens to you and you are one band of apes one tribe of apes you might be better equipped to like see your enemy at night or or stuff like that right and that you might progress faster than another band who hasn't seen the mushrooms that i've never heard this theory well, before the, the part about some animal pooping it out doesn't sound credible to me but the rest of it yeah but they discover these mushrooms and have yeah. a mind opening yeah. experience i just think that's fascinating anyway um lacy hill the rock star said oh well we should do them <laughs> and this was when you're in Ottawa? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And I bought them in Ottawa. I saw a store. It said mushrooms. So I said, well, I'll just go in there because it's you, you don't walk by a mushroom store very often. And so I went in and I, I said, I would like to buy uh, Mushrooms 101. Interesting, because I saw mushroom stores in Amsterdam, but I thought in Canada they were still illegal. Well, I think they are illegal, but there's something around because there there's stores in Vancouver. Is that right? You see it sort of posted on telephone poles, a little sticker that says uh, magic, magic, you know, I don't know if it's anyway. I went in and uh, the guy said, Oh, well, you want Golden Teacher, that's the sort of the starter mushroom. And you'll figure out how much you need, I guess. You just Google it or something. But, um, uh, $50 for, I'm not sure how much it weighs, it doesn't say on the package. I'll, I'll measure it because I do have an accurate scale. But he said, cash. And he kind of <laughs> looked at me. And of course, right behind me is an ATM machine. I said, well, good for that because I don't have any cash, but here's your... <laughs> anyway, and I didn't want to, I, I don't know how it will how I would react to it. So I didn't want to do it while I was in performance. Like if, no. if it, if I did it at night or even on a day right, off, like, right. I don't know how long it's going to, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, oh, well, the, okay. the judge is off tonight. I don't know where he went. I was kind of laughing there. I was thinking, well, yeah, good call. I'm surprised that was a question, but okay. But yeah, if you don't know how long it's going to last for. Then, yeah. yeah I, apparently it's like four to six hours, but anyway, and I would uh, actually, I would like to do a follow-up on this because I'm I'm going to go see Cromer and I'm going to do them over there because there will be somebody with me who understands whether he wants to or not. Yeah, yeah But yeah. I'm just going to do it in a, of an afternoon. Kind of like a safe environment and you're near nature and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I will report back. But I also thought that we should open up the discussion of people our age doing things like even um, gummies or or just CBD oil that doesn't get you high but fixes things, like helps you either sleep or uh, aches and pains and stuff like that, and that we should open it up. Because it's funny, you go, I go outside, like we would play poker at night sometimes, and me being a smoker 
you just go stand outside in front of your hotel on the street in Ottawa, and there are so many parliamentary police in that city, like they're everywhere, always tootling around in their little vehicles, that I I still have an odd feeling smoking a joint in public, mm, right? Right, and which is kind of natural. Like pot sales, I think, have done very well, like with people who didn't actually smoke pot. And because it's illegal, and I think that we should open up that discussion. So my experiment with mushrooms will be the first, what is it? It's like uh, the correspondent going on, what's the term? Like, I'm going to be embedded for this little story, and I'll come back, and I'll report back. Yes, yes, for sure. Well, I think I've seen somewhere in my social media browsing in the last, I don't know, year, a couple of different articles about how all kinds of people our age are trying what you might loosely call recreational drugs, right? Mm-hmm. They never did, never had any interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I also don't know, for example, how the regulated or legal outlets for pot or cannabis products are doing these days. We talked about this quite a long time ago on the show about how they were so overregulated, their product is very expensive compared to just buying it off this guy in the corner. And we talked about how the guy in the corner represents risks unless you've known that person for a long time and you believe that you can trust them to not put crap in your supply. But I don't know where that's at these days. I don't know whether where the regulated outlets are have got it together at all yet or not. Well, I will tell you from my recent travels to both Calgary and Ottawa that pot shops are everywhere in downtown of both those cities, like like as much as coffee shops. And is their pricing okay? Oh, it's expensive, but mm. y- you know, it depends on how much you smoke, of course. Mm. Our friend Cromer might not call it cheap because he goes through it more than I do. I, I barely even puff these days, but yeah. you know, if a joint costs you $3 and it lasts you three nights, that's not very expensive for a little exactly high, yeah. right? Yeah, it's about the same as dog heart medicine. Exactly. As long as I don't get cut off, like I think Cam of Vancouver, I think it was him was telling me he uses mushrooms and that they can really do wonders for you, mm. like open up pathways that were never there and they they stay open, kind of thing. Yes, yes, a lot, and of, a lot of positive press about mushrooms these days. And I know that there are a lot of people, some immediate friends, who microdose for depression. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's just a little something. And I don't think you get any kind of high, high, but it does something in there that is uh, all positive. I also heard that mushrooms are a lot safer than acid in terms of having bad experiences. I mean, you had something to the contrary, but I think I would think dosage is super important as well. Yes, yes. I don't know if this is the Terrence McKenna documentary or what, but who, who are the guys, the writers? We mentioned that thing in the in the snappers. Robert Heinlein, the science fiction guy. Yes, and you said Aldous Huxley or Ken Kesey. Like, who are those oh, guys? The, the Merry Pranksters. Jack Kerouac. Yes, those, those guys. guys. So sometime in California, they had a free bus in San Francisco, probably, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. And it was free mushrooms. And there was some theory that the, the whole 60s revolution, a lot of it happened because there was a ton of people who were thinking quite differently because they had played with mushrooms. Hmm. It's hard to know because, I mean, 
what you get told is that it has no permanent effect on the one hand, so don't worry about using it. And But what you're saying is it's probably had a permanent effect because it made societal change. So which is it? Well, if you think if Cam says it changed how he looks at life, I've been getting that from the documentaries too, is that there's a whole bunch of things that just open up because, just because, I, I don't know, I'm going to find out, right? It makes some sort of sense to me that... Yeah. It's not like it's permanent damage. It's like permanent change, well, though. Well, this is where I was going to in my head about that is uh, how do you differentiate between a permanent change that's positive and a permanent change that's bad? Mm-hmm. Because if you open up some channels in your head, were they closed for some cognitive reason and now they're open and you're going to screw something else up? I mean, I don't know. Mm. I, I just have no idea about all that stuff. You look. You think about guys like Timothy Leary, who we mentioned earlier this afternoon, who were big proponents of acid. He was the merry prankster guy, Timothy Leary and Ken Kesey. They were together for for doing that. I mean, his his position was this stuff will open up hitherto unexplored channels in your in your mind. But you know, the experience collectively has been that generally speaking, acid maybe not such a good idea to do a lot of acid. I think that's... But that's different from mushrooms. I know, but the pitch was, it's going to change the way your brain works. Yeah, it changed it all right. Not for the better. So you got to wonder about it, right? There was one of the comedians, I think it was Norm MacDonald, was talking about... Norm MacDonald. It was talking about how acid was supposed to give you flashbacks. And here it is 30 years later and he's never had a flashback. He wants his money back. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Canadian connection. Uh, LSD-25 is the 25th derivative of like a mold, like a a wheat mold or something. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's just a straight up chemical thing. Anyway, this scientist in Saskatoon, I believe, got to number 25 of this derivative, I guess. Just one day... All of a sudden, was walking out of work, and the walls were sort of warping and stuff. And yeah, sign me out for that. <laughs> well, no, no. This is this is the beginning of it, though. And he had quite an experience, but realized that it went in t- t- like his fingertips from yeah. touching it or something, and enough of it got in that it actually affected. And he thought, "Oh, let's experiment with this." Anyway, that's part of the documentary as well. One of those. I'm going to look these up again, and I'll report back and and leave cliff notes for um, our our well, avid listeners. I'm looking forward to your uh, what is it? Teaching mushrooms. Report. Golden teacher. Golden teacher. That's right. Report. That'll be good. Did you do any of that stuff? Very little because I'm scared of it. Right. It's just skiers. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like acid much. I probably did it five or six times, I'll bet. And I me, the same. And I did not like it either. Yeah, I thought it was really uncomfortable. Yeah, I didn't do it that often. Even I might have done it once, in fact. And I didn't like it because I just I just thought I can't handle this. I loved the MDA though. Ooh. Now, did you find that you only got high nicely on it once or twice? Or oh, that's probably all I did it. Okay. Yeah. Because I, th- I think the first time was just amazing. But isn't that, is that what ecstasy is now? That's MDMA, and I think they're very similar. Yeah. They it, both kind of... It's a love drug, isn't dial it? Dial up the empathy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. In your brain. I remember walking with Ronnie Roberts and, and one other person, I can't remember who, and we're just walking, and it's just like the greatest, sweetest, 
deepest friendship yeah, yeah. you've ever yeah. had. Right? I remember going into my house with Hoodie and Ogre and walking in front of my family who were all, for some reason, in the living room watching TV, like all of them. And going up the stairs, and I don't know if I tripped or Ogre tripped going up the stairs, which is in full view of everybody. And my dad saying, had a little bit too much to drink tonight, Boogie? I think he called him Boogie. <laughs> and then we went up. So, so this is um, MDA that we uh, dissolved into water and then drank it. And I think it was just me and Ogre. But we were sitting there and we were listening to the Beatles oh my God. And I said, I, I think I was going out with Hoodie at the time. And I said, Ogre, you have to hold Hoodie's hand. Hold her hand. You have to hold her hand. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, all I remember. I remember lights coming out from behind the beds. Like just from, like there was, there was just glowing light that just came up from somewhere. And it was just so yeah. nice. <laughs> and, uh, do you remember if the next day you didn't have a good day? I think so. I think it didn't. And I think there was a hangover. Yeah. It might have even turned into not a comfortable feeling that night. I'm not sure. Apparently MDMA is just brutal the next day. Oh. Yeah. Like it's just like, that's why they, the, the raves or dance shows, all the kids are on it. Right. It, and they're just having a blast and they're just so every, everyone's wonderful to each other. And, and then, yeah, the next day, apparently it's rough. Oh yeah. So it's not, I talked to a guy and he said, yeah, he had to stop doing it. Cause it was just like brutal the next day. Okay. And then I thought M MDA, which is what we used to do. I thought that might be one where you kind of had to chase it. Like, like, like uh heroin is apparently the same, you know, after, the first time is just the most amazing thing. And if you're a, if you're that person, you're done, you're, you're addicted. Right. Uh, but you can never actually get there again. Oh, and I know that when I did MDA about three more times was all we had. And we thought that we're just not getting good stuff. We're getting stuff that's cut or something's weird, or maybe it's some other chemical, but we can never match the first one or two times that we did it. Oh, so I'm not like sure for the same reason. Maybe that, yeah, maybe get to the high and then yeah. you don't get there anymore. Yeah. I missed just about all of that for the balance of my life. Since I left Rossland, I've always thought, well, probably it was really well that the drug supply in Rossland was crap. Like you'd pay money for the big city drugs, but what you would get is baby powder and sugar and yeah, yeah. just a lot of nothing. Yeah. And that probably, I was probably fine with that in retrospect, you know, like I. I know we all were not interested in any of the harder, harder drugs. I was not. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't even, you know, I was just, yeah, I, the whole thing's too much for me. Probably would have done me good. Maybe. Um, they say that MDMA is really good for PTSD hmm. and I'm sure they don't do super high doses, right? Because you don't want to get on that band thing where you have to, you know, where you have a bad day the next day. Yeah. But, but that whole thing about empathy and PTSD and how it gives you MDMA will give you this warm and good feeling towards other people and towards yourself. So I think they're just dosing them the right amount. And apparently after X days in a row, don't remember how many days, it's gone. PTSD has gone. 
no. you've forgotten that constant misery every day that you're thinking back to the terrible days. Oh, yeah. It's apparently works really well. And that's why they're now finally allowing research on MDMA and, and other psychedelics. They kind of classify MDMA as a psychedelic, but it's not the kind of thing where you'd be seeing things that don't exist. Right? Uh, not that I know of. It's kind of hard to, to figure out. Like, So you think about our approach to cancer and chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm just going to rinse the entire inside of your body with poison and hope that the bad stuff yeah, we'll kill the bad stuff and let's kill some good stuff, stuff as well, but yeah. you should regrow that. Maybe. In other words, it's just, it's like a, using a sledgehammer for ants, right? You have no idea whether you're hitting it way too hard. It just doesn't, it's really crude, right? And you did the, this is the chemo. You did the chemo, right? Mm-hmm. You did the radiation as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's just one example, antidepressants or uh, things like Thorazine stuff that were provided. They just... They're just really crude tools for mm. managing, uh, I guess, chemical behavior in your brain that causes certain feelings or thoughts or emotions, right? So you sort of think, okay, then we're going to experiment. And I, I guess I'm kind of glad that somebody somewhere is trying to do something. But at the same time, you kind of think that was probably a hard decision to make because, again, you're going to put just stuff into your bloodstream and see what happens. Now, I better just immediately admit, of course I know nothing about how they measure this stuff, you know. How do they measure what's going on in your brain these days? No idea. Hmm. How do they measure what goes into and out of your blood when you consume or are given something? No idea. But our understanding of how our brain is affected by stuff in our blood is pretty lightweight, I think. Very lightweight. And so when they say we're going to experiment with MDMA... I kind of, I kind of think, how that would be a hard decision to make to go ahead with that. That's all. Hmm. We got some great listener mail. We do. We should cover it because we just have a little bit more time, right? Yeah. Captain Bob from Saskatoon continues to catch up. He's now on episode sixty-three. Dogs in spam. Here he goes in nineteen hundred and seventy-two, and he spells that completely out. I met an excellent fellow, I think, at Selkirk College, George Cavey, who had all the ELNP albums. <laughs> he taught me how to make the best sandwich in the world. You need three slices of really good bread. Butter two of them on one side. Add peanut butter to the buttered side. Spread honey on one side of the third slice and lay it down on either of the peanut butter and butter slices. Spread honey on the other side of the third slice and put the other peanut butter and butter on top, such that the outsides of the triple decker sandwich are clean. Nice. I'm following this one very well. Essentially, the middle slice is mortared with honey. (laughs) Very important. Slice the best sandwich in the world diagonally with a sharp knife. This will heighten your enjoyment substantially. Yeah, of course it will. <laughs> I want to know what happens if you put peanut butter on both sides of that middle layer too. And also, would this sandwich work just as well with jam as honey? Why honey? Honey is amazing. I want jam. I've been eating peanut butter and honey sandwiches lately. It's magic. <laughs> is that the extent of his email? No, there's a, there's a different topic. We'll cover that oh, too. But okay, I, I'm okay. just I'm just thinking. Uh, soak this in. I think I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> if I'm really hungry... 
for lunch. That sounds really good. Yeah. And well, yeah. he just says really good bread. I well, feel like yeah. white bread might you be know, right for this. Because like one. normally, I just go to the store and I buy that trashy bread. You know, I this is I'm just going to buy the crap bread today because it's just for work. Today, I'm going to go for some really nice bread. Yeah, and I'd be curious, uh, Cap and Bob. When you finally listen to this episode about a year from now. Oh, a year, you think? I'd like to hear what you consider really good bread. Yeah. Because that, that's important. On that note, I am an exclusive white bread, Sesame Street Dempster's white bread that guy. Dempster's is good. Nice big slices, right? And fresh, it's, it's soft and nice. But I want you to know that Sesame White Dempster's is not sold elsewhere in this country. It's only down here? Yes. Interesting. Dempster's is sold everywhere. Yep. There was a... What the hell's up with that, I wonder? There's a... I think Thrifty's in Victoria, they would have all sorts of Dempster's multi-grain and 12-grain and brown bread or just whatever, and there would be four little packages of the sesame like off on a little like they were bad or something this was in victoria in calgary and ottawa no sesame dempsters why i'm saying to dempsters if they're listening why why the bigger question is back up a step my theory wrong or right would be because it doesn't sell why would I send it to places where people aren't going to buy it? The big question is, why the hell would people not buy it in all those other places? Why would they? Well, you'd think it'd be the other way around. You know, Vancouver being the left coast, being the granola yes. eaters and all that would yes. would avoid white bread like the plague. Yes. And you'd think Calgary is like, bring on the white bread. Yeah. And I'm going to drive to the store in my F-150 to get it. <laughs> well, 350 with dualies, but yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I But I, I just think, yeah, okay, but there's some some part of the population who's eating white bread. They're selling white bread without sesame on it here. I hear you what you're saying, but only here are they also selling white bread with sesame on it. And everywhere else, they're just selling white bread without sesame. Yeah, like no, what is up with that? I love that stuff. Anyway, I'm going to try this sandwich out. Yeah. I think it's a great suggestion. I think you should do a couple iterations where you have banana in there, sliced in between the honey well, and the peanut butter. But I, I love the detail. You know, I'm going to make sure yeah. and I use a sharp knife for cutting. Yeah, because normally I just bludgeon mine with a meat, <laughs> meat softener. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 one of those pulverizers? Yeah, exactly. yeah it can be. <laughs> All right. And just a quick note, he continues, I have the Bob Newhart double album on vinyl, the button-down mind of Bob Newhart and the button-down mind strikes back. Hilarious. Those are really good. Um, I also have a Rhino novelty album of Henny Youngman's hundred greatest jokes, but I digress. <laughs> wow. I wonder, is that an LP? Like how long, I wonder, does it take to tell a hundred jokes if you're Henny Youngman? You yeah, know, he's probably. Take my wife, yeah. please. That kind of stuff. But I wonder when you hear this, Bob, in whatever, 2028, let us know. I'd like to know how long. Yeah, Henny Youngman is a one-liner guy. Yeah, he's, he's top um, 100. How long does that take? Yeah. It's an LP. It's a Rhino novelty album. As opposed to? 50 per side, 10 per track. No idea. No, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, listen to Bob Newhart. I clicked on something on Facebook, Bob Newhart and Johnny Carson, and it was... It, it had something to do about him doing a German accent because he's one-quarter German, 
and it was actually an uncomfortable interview. I actually turned it off after a little while. <laughs> In like, what respect? Come off as kind of racist against Germans? No, or? no, 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 no. Between Carson and Bob Newhart, who like each other, yes, it was just it oh, was it was laboring. odd. They were laboring. Yes, yes. It was odd, and they were and they yeah. but they were commenting on how odd it was too, or how anyway it was. It's amazing how much prep work goes into those talk shows to have it come off so smooth and, you know, like they, they totally pre-ask what should we talk about. They've got the list. Sometimes the comedians that go on those talk shows treat it so seriously. They've got two, three weeks of practice before they even get there. And But I got to think that things were different in Johnny Carson's days that, that, that it was a little bit less staged. Yeah. That, that. Oh, the actual well, especially thing Carson the host, would yeah. be—he would be just riffing, and it falls how it falls, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I would have thought too. Who's it, the other guy? Not Henny Youngman, but the other one-liner guy, too. Um, Jimmy Durante? No, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. no respect. Yeah, yeah. Always tugging at his tie. Yeah. Okay. New comment on episode fifty-seven. So this is another listener to a really old episode. Plum Excited Dogs. New comment from Madison Murphy. We don't know where she's from. Let's just say she's from Madison, Wisconsin. That's a she. Madison Murphy's likely a she, but you're right. Warren Harris, likely a she. We don't really know for sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Madison says, thanks, great blog. Are we doing a blog now? Yes, we are. Nice. Who's doing that? KJ, you covering the blog? No, I'm not, but I'd personally like to thank Madison for her. Well, yeah, me too. I want to, I, I get that must be you then. You've been holding out on us, doing a blog all this time. Nice. Yeah, I know. I hope that one day we hear from Madison that we're all fantastic. Yeah. Yes, all three of us. Yes. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. And she doesn't have a favorite. And uh, te- <laughs> He doesn't. <laughs> and te- technically, technically we publish our podcast on a blog like that's what squarespace calls it and it's a special blog that has an audio track and that tells and then we've configured the blog to be a podcast is that so yeah so every every post there is a blog and sometimes we'll get these these are spammers by the way i think you know that right thanks great blog wait a second what i've i've built a whole relationship in my head with madison of the undisclosed Gems. what do we know what episode 57 was yeah, well it's we, called plum excited dog now did we talk about using a plum bob or it's spelled plum like p-l-u-m-b oh well, oh you know what we talked about plumbing i bet you ah plumbing that's it yes we do that every third episode yeah kind of <laughs> anyway speaking of spammers uh I went on Facebook Marketplace yesterday because I needed a, I'm selling a printer and I got a whole bunch of ads on Facebook Marketplace for uh, women's clothes uh-huh. all of a sudden. And every single ad had a hot young model. Uh-huh. And I think that somehow I must have visited something somewhere that gave Facebook the idea that that's where to place these ads. And it's pretty clear to me there, and they're all like Vancouver or like local, right? It's pretty clear to me that the whole idea with that is to get to hook guys, right? Uh-huh. Like it's, oh, look at this Lululemon, uh, you know, and but they're really kind of skimpy and, or they're dressed up to go out and it's just like weird, like uh, really weird. Well, uh, of late I've been getting on HuffPost particularly 
very good-looking women in bathing suits. But they're legit ads for the clothing, but just kind of all of a, in the last week or so, they've been coming up. But how legit is it? Like these all look legit, but I'm just wondering if I reached out and said, can I come over and I might want to buy it, would that be the first hook? That they're going to get you some kind of prostitution thing or some kind of who knows what, like, oh, and I'm looking for a husband. I don't know, you know what, but... uh, I'm highly suspicious of these. Yeah, because I get uh, when after when I go to Home Depot, I get Home Depot ads that come up. Yeah. After I purchase something, so oh, I. Oh th- yeah, hundred. That's th- the that's cross related. pollinization things. Yeah. Rampant for sure. But so anyway, I just went into all of them. I said this. less like this, less like this, less like this, because I'm curious to see if that will kind of rid me of those. Uh, what do you mean less like? What, is, what does that even mean? Well, you can kind of right click or hit the dot, dot, dot on the ad and say, show me less ads like this. Oh, right. I've got to keep that in mind. None of these were sponsored. They were organically showing me up in my feed, right? And down below there's a sponsored ad and the same idea. And that one you can report because yeah. they paid for the ad. Or yeah. So. Mm. Pretty weird. Just keep our eye on those ads. All right. Watch out. New comment from Lee of Courtney on episode 162, Dogtionary. And listeners, this is only a few days after we actually posted this. I enjoyed that episode. I I think that's a really good name. Full of snappers, hence Dogtionary. It was all snappers. I thought that was really good. Almost 100% snappers, except for we got the excellent truck story as well. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's fairly recent, right? Great episode, dogs. Action. PJ's gas tank flame episode, literacy, KJ's snappers, and baseball, RJ's discovery that one foot long hot dog is less work than two six inches. The show had was, it all. I thought that was really well summarized. When you were talking about it, I didn't quite put all the dots together, but that's exactly what you were talking about. And I that's what I was saying. Until I got her note, I thought, oh, that's, oh yeah. yeah. I was just envisioning myself buying a foot long and having it spilling stuff. <laughs> oh, dirty, dang. Whatever that guy says. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Said, <laughs> so get down off of there. <laughs> Honey, the kids. And wait for it. I have a couple of comments, she says. No. What? I love going to Nat Bailey to watch baseball and have done so for years. But my favorite spot, we were behind home plate. She says, my favorite spot is section eight, about halfway down the third baseline, first row above the concourse. Great sight lines, plus the bonus of being behind the netting so foul balls can't hit me in the face. But you're in the full blazing sun. In a nooner there. Can That's be. the only thing I thought yeah. about that. PJ's description of the near disaster with the flames and KJ's truck's gas tank was vivid. I could almost see the National Film Board mini-doc on let's fix a leak in a gas tank. <laughs> and RJ is right. At a service station, if the actual gas pump blows, it's going to do a lot of damage. In Comox, a couple of weeks ago, a woman drove into a gas pump at an SO station and kaboom, film at 11. And right here, and she provides a link, so we will put that. Did you guys watch it? I did not watch it. <laughs> Tell me about Pretty it. Pretty huge blaze. That blaze just went. And the woman and her dog, uh, was an elderly woman, I believe, and I'm pretty sure it was one of those pushed the wrong pedal incidents. Yes, yes. But some guy 
got in there and got her and her dog out of that car. And I just think, yeah, that probably took some guts. Right. Because I guess what happens is the gas all vaporizes and sprays into the air and then boom. I don't know what happens, but there was, they had a video of the thing in flames and <laughs> there was a lot, like a, it was a lot of flames, you know, like, yeah. Yeesh. And in the show notes from that last episode, the dogtionary episode, I posted a video of a guy explaining why gas tanks don't explode. I got to see that then. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I got to see that. But just in a nutshell, all it is is that in a gas tank, there's a very thin layer of gas on top that's touching oxygen. But all the gasoline underneath has no access to oxygen. Mm. So only the very, very surface of the gas tank can burn based on whatever oxygen there is in the cool. gas tank. And it can and that's, only burn that's just a few molecules yeah, of it, depth, right? It can only can burn, burn at the rate at which it can acquire oxygen from the Exactly, air. yeah. And that's only, maybe it's just the top layer, like cool. top one molecule. And uh, cool. yeah, but if the, if the gas tank was ripped apart, yeah. and then the air around the car suddenly was filled with gas fumes, then, then all bets are off, right? That's pretty interesting. Nice, yeah. nice. Anyway, she says, she goes on, says the gas station is now a boarded off blackened shell of its former self. And we will put that in the show notes. And she continues, PJ thought that perhaps his tale would inspire listeners to think of other DIY mishaps like lawnmower mishaps. And I have such a story, (laughs) mercifully not involving me. Marshall Cottrell, husband of my grade one teacher, was mowing his lawn at their house in the hometown of Kandahar, Saskatchewan. The mower got stuck on something and Marshall, without shutting off the mower, she put that in all caps, flipped the machine over to dislodge whatever it was that had stopped the blade. Do I need to finish this paragraph? Yeah, you have to. It gives me the heebs just hearing it, but you gotta, listeners, brace yourself. Well, he dislodged something all right. A piece of his finger, which then flew up and hit him in one eye, blinding him for life. No. Imagine. <laughs> just, oh my God. It's the last thing you're worried about is getting blinded. when By you're, your own finger, just getting piled into, <sighs> like it must have only blinded one eye, but oh, still. Oh, Jesus. Imagine. <laughs> it's not awful. Just And what must the guy have been doing? Like what kind, what kind of bonehead move? He must have actually stuck his finger in there. Right, so the motor it's stuck on keep... something and he removes whatever it's stuck on. Oh, maybe. Maybe it was belt-driven blade. Instantly, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because I, I was trying to think, h- how could the blade still be? Like, I'm thinking yeah, the right, engine should die, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. If it was really stuck, but maybe it's a belt-driven, maybe it's one of those real mowers, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. But imagine yeah. your ill fortune. Got some form of a clutch, maybe. Yeah, the, an auto clutch that re-engages or re-disengages once the blade can turn. Hmm. Your bad fortune to have your own eye put out with your own finger that you've just cut off. Note to self. Dude, dude, hold my beer. And she says, one last thing regarding cocktails. I recently bought whiskey rocks. Rocks is in quotes. They are stainless steel cubes to use instead of ice cubes. They don't melt in your drink, thereby diluting things somewhat stupidly expensive, like 15 bucks for six of them, but you use them forever. And I fully didn't think that's 
15 bucks for six of anything is not stupidly expensive. Unless it's six toothpicks. Yeah, I guess because... six? Yeah, because this day and age, stainless steel's got to have... It's got some value, right? Well, I just don't think 15 bucks is a lot of money. That's what I guess I'm saying. She says, my question though, to cocktail connoisseur RJ... Are, should I say connoisseur or connoisseur? I was, I was just going to say as an aside to movie, did you hear how he pronounced that? Connoisseur. Yes. I believe it's connoisseur, but. I think it is connoisseur. I think it is connoisseur, but I was trying to heighten the specialness of it. (laughs) And I think I failed. I think it backfired on me. It's confusing to me. A connoisseur. Never heard that before. To cocktail connoisseur RJ are reusable He's going for the merciful edit there. Like the stainless steel ones. Gauche. Or good. Well, Lee from Courtney, I have tried those. And for whatever reason, I didn't like the taste of them. Well, you're supposed to put them in your mouth. You would think that stainless steel is stainless. It's not going to react. It should be fine, right? But I just didn't like them. So I, I didn't. I think I bought them. And $15, though expensive, is cheap enough that I... Would feel bad about repackaging them and returning them. So I think there's some somewhere in our house. And uh, So if they'd have cost 20, would you have just toughed it out, kept using them? Because it's just too much money to have it sit and rot. No, I toughed it out and didn't return them. But, I know. But yeah, I'm no. just trying to be funny. Yeah. But so, so just to be clear. So it might have been my imagination yeah. though, but I just felt that I was tasting it. Yeah. And then, I, so what I did was I cleaned them and smelled them. And I felt that I could smell them as well, yeah. like the metal smell. See, and I can yeah. see me doing the exact same thing. I really can. I don't know. And it's the same with the ones that are made of granite, like rock tastes like you know what it is i think i might have done the granite ones okay same thing though so i'm not now i'm not convinced that i use the stainless ones because you would think that stainless is stainless and doesn't react but yeah anyway uh lee i have also heard lots of (laughs) conwassers who like them so i i think that was just me whatever whatever brand i bought they're shipped, you know, from China on the slow boat and eventually arrive. Maybe mine were four ninety five. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just abandoned them. And so I'm happy with my hipster giant globe pieces of ice that I use. Yeah. I use distilled water in there. Distilled. Just, uh, I use distilled. You're going to get some interns and some distilled water. That's what the con wassers use. <laughs> con wasser. I had no idea I would get such hearty amusement out of that when you read the letter. That's well done. That's okay. great. But are those like, they were sort of a fatty kind of thing, right? Like I think when they're... cigars and whiskey were a big fatty thing, those things came up. Don't want to dilute that fine scotch, single malt, yada, yada, yada. I think they make a lot of sense. But I, I never I... tried them, so who knows? But I had the same thought. I thought, I don't know, when I've ever in my life licked metal... Yeah. I always sort of feel like I can taste A little bit of a taste maybe, yet yet you cook in it. Yeah. And you would think that cooking is when it's most No, but if you cleaned your, like my sink, for instance, my stainless steel, if I cleaned the little area and then licked it, I would sense that I would get some sort of, even a feeling, maybe it's not a taste, but it's a feeling of it. And I think it's just our imagination. I think it's not real. I'll end up doing a little research. I'll end up putting some kind of link in the show notes. I usually choose those links to support whatever position I took. But you don't have a position. You probably noticed that. Yeah, but you know, that's why we never look. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think anybody ever yeah. looks really, but I satisfy myself anyway. And we, on a, I include myself as we should look, because those links, I'm telling you again, listeners, go look at the website <laughs> and at the links he puts in there, because there's often just gold in there. Yeah. And he never mentions it. He highly recommends them, but he doesn't read them himself. Not often, but not often enough. Huey of Thrums says, <laughs> hi. hi guys. When I heard the tale of the international fire, the international being KJ's truck, it reminded me of the time when we were having engine problems on one of the motors in Al's boat. We pulled up into the SO dock in Prince Rupert. Next morning, we went to a repair garage and asked a mechanic if he would be willing to come down to the dock and see what he could see about the motor. He must have been having a bad day because he snapped at us and told us to get lost. When Al offered him 50 bucks, that changed his attitude somewhat. This was in 1998, by the way. But he wasn't coming down until after 5 o'clock. When he finally arrived, Al explained that it had been backfiring through the carburetor, and he suspected a bad valve or two. The carburetor was already exposed, and the guy had a look and told Al to turn the engine over. Al told him to keep his head away from the carburetor in case of a backfire. Again, the guy snapped and said, I'm the mechanic here. Just do what I say. So Al turned the engine over while the mechanic, in quotes, peered down the carburetor and the engine backfired. Bob and I looked with some concern at the guy who now had a black face and hair messed up. It was one of the most difficult things I've done in my life to not explode with laughter. Bob and I had to leave the boat Later, Al said it was worth 50 bucks to see the expression on that guy's face. <laughs> Sounds like it. That's a great story. It's just about perfect, in fact. That's the outcome you're looking for. So we had a few giggles. We got here. We made it. If you've got opinions about intros and outros, we'd love to hear them because, you know, we were just discussing. Should we? Shouldn't we? We did two without them. Nobody made a peep. I don't know. Maybe they're fine that way. We don't know either. Let us know. But... Most importantly of all, take care of yourselves. Hang on to the things you love. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. See you. See ya. And addendum to the editor, it is indeed Italian Day on the Drive. All right. One day, singular. Single day. Do I need to redo the uh, whole thing now nope. to mm. take that defensive yet righteous tone out of it? No, mm. no, no, no. Mm-hmm.